Welcome to Unpacked Shorts. I'm Katie Harrison and with me is Peter Franklin who writes our Unpacked column which looks at interesting articles posted elsewhere on the internet. Also joining us today is Charlie Pickles who edits our capitalism theme here at Unheard. Welcome Charlie and Peter. Hi. Hello. Peter, I think that you have been checking out the latest movements of our former Prime Minister here in the UK, David Cameron. He has a new job, I understand. He does indeed. Um, This was actually announced um, back in, well, only last month, December, and he is now Vice Chairman of the UK China Fund, which is worth £1 billion. One billion dollars, sorry. And this is according to an article by Bruno Macias for Foreign Policy. And um, this could be possibly even more important a job than his time as Prime Minister. My goodness, why is that then? Where's the money going? Okay, well, the fund is um, there to raise the finance for China's Belt and Road Initiative, um, which is a truly massive infrastructure investment program um, whose purpose is to build um, links, um, transport communication links all the way across Eurasia. So all the way from China and the sort of radiating, you know, well, sort of, you know, down to um, India, um, up to Russia um, and all the way across to Western Europe. Um, So this is a Big massive ticket infrastructure, just massive. Charlie Pickles. But, but why? I mean, why aren't China funding it themselves? Well, they've certainly managed to fund a lot of their own massive instru- exactly. infrastructure yeah. investment, but this is on such a massive scale, um, and you know, I think the the estimates um, are anything between one and eight trillion dollars, and a trillion is a million million. So, yeah, so we're talking a lot shed of shed loads. Exactly. It's it's a yeah, yeah, you did you say shed loads? I did say so shed loads. I, I'm Thank so you. Glad. I, 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 I hear David Cameron quite likes a shed, so I'm sure he'll be very happy Indeed, there. That's true. Uh, well, that was worth quite a lot of money too. Charlie, but, what's your take on then this relationship well, between UK and China? I mean, clearly, in a post-Brexit world. Uh, we're going to have to develop these relationships uh, with other countries. You know, particularly around trade obviously the the new silk road uh is designed to facilitate trade in in those locations but i mean i guess really it does make me a bit nervous because china are not exactly known for playing by the rules whether that's in trade or you know surveillance and hacking or international intellectual property rights or anything like that is there is there a bit of a danger that we're sort of approving of china's behavior by having our former prime minister um, in such a senior role within this and helping to raise the funds. And also, or I guess it's the flip question to that, is the scope for David Cameron to try and actually shift some of that behaviour? Well, hopefully the latter, time will tell. Um, So far, the the UK-China fund is, you know, would be raising money for a tiny sliver of what is required overall. Um, but it's, it's, it's a chance to prove the concept and we'll have to see how it pans out. But yes, it does need, I mean, this is one of the reasons why China actually must partner with um, other countries to make this happen, because it's not just the um, kind of financial challenge of raising that much money on the money markets. 
it is as also you say the the, the sort of diplomatic sensitivities and did they why do you think they came to us do, are we going to turn more of a blind eye than other people would to some of that or is, is there something that that we have that nobody else can offer well you know in the city of london we have um the world's most advanced um center of financial expertise you know and a lot of expertise is going to be required to handle the extraordinarily complex risks of these of such a big infrastructure but he, project. but china i mean uh, yes I, I like to to think the best of the uk being the good uh, loyal brit that i am but there are other there are other other trading partners are available are they not and and why why do you think they specifically came to us and not to germany or to the us well i mean part of the issue is and they may may you know still partner with other people or did we go to um, them or what? no i well i'm not quite sure how it all came together but um part if if if, if china is going to uh, you know form a strategic partnership on this both america and the eu have some serious trade rivalries with china and the chinese government may may consider this to be too problematic um Britain, however, as we've said, is rarely keen post-Brexit to form these new trading relationships. Well, and, actually, and you'll remember that um, George Osborne, in particular, was was our former chancellor. Our former chancellor, exactly, was when he was chancellor, very uh, keen to become pally with China. So I guess Absolutely, there is a kind of yes. there's a history there mm, of building relationship between exactly that building the relationship administration. And yeah. the yes, and and you only have to look at the um, Hinkley Point C project to build a new nuclear power station to see just how keen the certainly Cameron and Osborne were to form these relationships. So going back to uh, Charlie's point about beha China's behaviour and broadening that out a bit more globally, I'm thinking of uh, China's presence in Africa. So they have very different ways of managing some of the more um, ethical sides of trading relationships. China's known for sort of old-fashioned bilateral aid still to this day in many yes. parts of Africa that doesn't actually pre present much challenge to, say, Zimbabwe's record on, on human rights or governance, um, doesn't put too many uh, restrictions or requirements uh, on budget support, so government-to-government -government aid, um, and, and sponsors projects which very much favour Chinese labour to deliver them, which is a very sort of old-school approach, and not really seeing as particularly benefiting global prosperity or pathways out of uh, poverty. So, um, w and, and not, not to mention the things that they do on their own patch, prescribing family size to such a degree that, you know, pe we hear awful stories of uh, forced abortions and, yes. and other things yes. like that, and religious persecution. So, is there any discomfort? Do you foresee any difficulty in the practicalities of this relationship? Well, yes, there, there's obvious discomfort, but then that applies to our trading relationship with China generally, and indeed our trading relationships with a lot of other um, countries that we've that we're close to, like Saudi Arabia, for instance. Um, so yes, it's a general problem. Um, I don't think it's specific to Belt and Road, but um, obviously. Um, developing countries do need to get infrastructure to become fully developed and it's china that is the active country in the world today yeah well, um, I, 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 yes. I 
foresee an, an interesting podcast to discuss China and Africa specifically, Peter, because I Absolutely, think we could yes. really totally go there. Let's yes. do that another time. For today, Peter Franklin, thank you for uh, unpacking this article by Bruno Messias for Foreign Policy. To read Peter's analysis of that article and to click through to the piece itself, please go to unheard.com. But from me, Katie Harrison, from our guest, Charlie Pickles, and our producer, James Coney, thank you for joining us today. Please rate this podcast on your usual podcast provider so that other people can find us too. For now, goodbye.